0: Welcome to Cast Dice, a podcast that explores the great big world of tabletop games that we know and love. Uh, it has been said many times, most of, most of the time on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a, just a hobby renaissance. There are so many great games out there that we can play. Uh, both with our friends, uh, play with ourselves, Uh, just so many games to spend our hobby dollars on, Uh, so many things uh, that we can do, spend our, in in often cases, what's more rare than the money, uh, at least for me, is time. Um, There are just too many good games that we can be playing right now. Not enough time, not enough money, not enough life to get to them all. And so we're going to get to... uh, talking about the ones we enjoy and love on this podcast um, or some of the great, big, excellent things that are happening in the war gaming industry or in the tabletop gaming industry, I should say. Uh, now, this is a little bit of a pull the chair back uh, and look at sort of a bigger picture. Uh, it, in recent years, uh, the Great uh, Games Workshop, one of the largest gaming companies in the world, Uh, has sort of been in this sort of sad decline. Um, It's actually been painful to watch, as someone who's worked for the company multiple times, to see something that, uh, a company that created the games that I love so much, um, and I spent so much time and money and just life, you know, it was just such a big part of my existence, in sort of a sad way, um... Just to watch that all sort of go. Uh, I could go on and on about this sad decline, but I feel like I need someone to, to help me explain this situation. And what it's become. Because some really drastic things have changed in the gaming industry, and it definitely bears discussion. Now, I've had him on this cast many times, uh, most recently talking about Star Wars Legion. uh, But you would know this man as another X Games Workshop workshop employee, uh, um, the man, the myth, the legend, one of the nicest guys to ever play a game against. Full stop. Marky Mark, welcome back to Cast Dice.
1: Thank you very much, Brad. I never get tired of those intros.
0: I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mark, what you been up to, man? Uh,
1: not a lot. Uh, mostly getting very, very excited about a few releases coming up, which I'm sure we'll cover. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, look, just trying to do as much hobby as I can with a with a two-year-old in the house. It's a bit of an adjustment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Better man than me. Um, I have a hard enough time walking my dog every day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, all right, let's 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 go back to where I was going a minute ago. Uh, so if we sort of look at the gaming industry as a whole, Games Workshop has traditionally been one of the greats, if not the great, the big game company. Um, they, It's been said that they have the best quality models. Um, <laughs> typically, you're also paying the highest price for them, um, something along the lines of, you want Ferrari quality? Well, you're going to pay Ferrari prices. Um, but one of the things they sort of, at least in recent years, they seem to be sort of losing fans left, right, and center, um, A, because the prices keep going up, but more to the point B, uh, up until the last, I don't know, two years or so, uh, they seem to just—I know they cared about the games, I know they did. Countless dollars has been poured into the development um, and creation of the games that they sell. However, they seem to just be making every wrong step possible. They kept alienating their own fans and pushing people away, creating games that people uh, just didn't want to play or that the community was abusing in a way that it drove fans away. Uh, Mark, would you agree with what I'm saying? Because you played games, workshop games, even after I walked away.
1: Yeah, look, I I completely agree with that. And sort of someone who has worked for games, well, had worked, sorry, I should say, Mm. uh, probably for about 15 years of my life, uh, off and on with a couple of times like you, that I I went and came back. It Mm. It was a very different model. And look, the leadership of GW at the time, uh, the last chairman. I was when I was finishing up. The games Workshop was still there, and the direction was very, very not Games Workshop. Is probably the best way right, from my ex- right. previous years, fifteen years experience prior to that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, look, the, the the games became secretary secretary secondary to it being mm-hmm. a, a model company. And I think there was some quotes from that chairman saying we sold models. We're not a games company. Sorry, Games Workshops. company name you're selling games yeah right (laughs) yeah so i think they were a bit confused i think there was a a confusion in the strategy Mm -hmm. which has seemed like completely done a 360 looking in in a relatively short period of time so it's very exciting um just like you as well like games workshop has been a massive part of my life Mm -hmm. and it was it was yeah like you it was very very uh distressing i think and i know i know it hobby gaming becomes a big part of all our lives. like I've made some of my best friends through this, this hobby. And when it becomes such a part of it from being such a young age, look, I got into GW hobby when I was 14, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. 37 now. So, um, it's a big part, long time. I've been involved in this hobby and, uh, yeah, it was hurting a little bit to be honest.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I picked up like you, I, well, I played a number of games, Uh, As a young kid, I I don't know how exactly I picked it up. I guess I had a friend that maybe played some D&D. We played some Marvel superheroes role-playing game uh, way back when. Um, Then we got into games like Car Wars, Battletech. There were just so many great games in the late 80s, God, mid-80s, early 80s whenever I started Ogre, I mean, just games that we played again and again and again and again and again. And so by the time, I believe it was 88 or 89, maybe 88, late 88, um, while I was living in Japan, I think I've told this story in the podcast before, a friend um, or a guy who later became a friend, brand new kid, moved from overseas, had been living, I believe, in London. And he came over and uh, he you know, he sort of saw the nerds across the room and we were talking about something gaming wise. um, But he smelled his herd and came our way and uh, (laughs) he was like, Hey, you know, my people. Uh, And we started talking and the next day he brought in rogue trader. And it was the first time I'd even heard of it. Um, Oh, maybe not because I think they'd been taking out ads in dragon magazine at that point. So I recognized um, like what a space Marine was or something like that. Uh, But Opened it up and was flipping through and was like, yeah, this is cool. It's a little grim. It's darker than what I'm used to. The art's a little, like, it's it's not as polished as, uh, you know, what, what was happening in Dragon Magazine or what, um, you know, the guys at Steve Jackson Games were doing with Car Wars or even the Battletech art at that time. We're just going, yeah, okay, this is all right. Um, cool. Then I read the description of what a bolter does and it changed... Literally my life in about five seconds. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> and that was the first time. I mean, before that, I played a lot of games, a lot of games, but they had always been either role playing or a game that had a piece like BattleTech or Car Wars. It was a cardboard piece. I mean, to be honest, I actually played Blood Bowl before I played Warhammer 40K. Um, I played Blood Bowl, but my pieces were it was Blood Bowl version one. It was cardboard pieces with circular uh, bases. You plugged them into and you moved them around. So I have every Blood Bowl team in cardboard um, to this day. I don't have. I mean, somewhere I have the the rules and the game board. But I have a box that sits in my hobby closet that if I ever need to play Blood Bowl, I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to put it down. And I'm still waiting for that day to walk to a a Blood Bowl event and put down my official team and have someone say, it's cardboard and be like, yep, it's Official Games Workshop Models. Screw you. Um, (laughs) ah, I'm old. Anyway, um, but from that moment, it really did I dropped all the other games. Everything else fell away quickly, and I picked up miniatures, and I and I started painting and building, and collecting. And it literally changed the way I approached gaming forever afterward. Um, and it it I mean to the point where you know, there's, there's talk on a lot of podcasts or when people talk about their game, they're like, oh yeah, I played games up until college. Then I found girls. Uh, then, you know, I stopped it for like three or four years. And then when I finished university and I had more disposable income, uh, then I got back into it. I didn't have that experience. I went to university in New Orleans and though I partied like a rock star and I had a band and I had a wonderful time and I did misbehave royally. Um, I never stopped building and painting models. It was what I did to like calm down after a long day, and I actually started traveling to my first grand tournaments in Baltimore. I would fly from New Orleans up to Baltimore, and that 's where I met staff and that 's where I was actually given an award at um, the last grand tournament I went to before I worked for the company where they they invented one they they were like this w- <laughs> This, you don't fit in any of the categories we want to give a trophy to, but we want to acknowledge your craziness. And so they gave me this giant orc head medallion, and they gave me the award of being the biggest knob. And I was like, is that a compliment? Uh, and, they went, and they gave me a certificate that said, this is an award to the loudest, most obnoxious, most fun guy that we hope we play at the event. Um, and I, I took that as the huge compliment that it was, and I got hired by Games Workshop um weirdly in sales and i learned to talk on a microphone um and i've been kind of doing it ever since uh but i guess where i'm going with this is i guess i never stopped and i never stopped with any of the games workshop stuff uh and i mean i was always a 40k lover I loved it. I dabbled in fantasy. I had a few armies. I played some games. I loved the side games um, when they came out back in the day. Um, I, you know, we'll talk about some of those in a little bit. Uh, I happen to, I mean, some of my favorites, of course, Necromunda, Mordheim, all those cool. games. Loved them, um, and we will talk about those in a minute. But Games Workshop kind of stopped doing those, and they started doing these big dollar ones, um, and. Uh, 40k just got kind of silly and they sort of brought in allies, and power creep got kind of ridiculous. And I guess it was about the time I was going through my divorce at the same time. I just went, I just, this just isn't fun anymore. Uh, I was playing hyper competitively, um, I was going to the masters events, and I hated it. It was, it became stressful it became awful it became icky no one was having fun at these things at least not that i saw people were cheating and getting caught it was just no good Uh, and so i started playing fantasy and i uh, had a lovely time uh podcasting for the first time with a group called the dwellers below and that was awesome um and then fantasy died and so and bolt action came along and i guess the rest is history but I don't know where I'm going with this other to say that Games Workshop was a huge part of my gaming experience. Um, And yes, I played lots of other games along the way, but without GW, none of this would have happened. Um, And I know, Mark, you've had a very similar experience. Um, What has got you like that meme with the guy who's holding the girl's hand and he look, he's looking over his <laughs> shoulder at the other girl. If you ever look at that meme carefully, the girls appear to have like the same face. Oh, really?
1: Never, never yeah, take a look,
0: every, everyone's always looking at the new girl in the guy's face. If you look at the old girlfriend and you actually look at their faces, I think they're actually pretty similar. Anyway, <laughs> um, which makes that meme even better. But what got you looking at Games Workshop again? Because I know both of us were like, ugh for a while
1: yeah uh, look i i think uh well for me there's at the dark days were at, at when it was sort of really turned around like it was even when they changed what white wolf to the weekly it just didn't oh. it, it was basically a, a um an advertising catalog for product that you know you get in your your um mailbox from from uh you know places like kmart it was it was it had no substance to it i'm like oh this can't get any worse yeah exactly then they went back to the old school format and they had mm-hmm. really good articles, really good painting articles. So it kind of buzzed off in the corner because mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got one of the advantages of working for games workshop is i got all the white dwarfs. So I've my collection of white dwarfs go back to when I basically first started I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: very few that I've missed, to be honest. So, and so I saw those, I started getting those again and saw the quality of the models and some of the things they were doing. So it's sort of been in the background, but more recently, um, for me, the stuff that's really started getting me interested again has been some of the side games. So, particular necro, I was a massive necro fan when I was younger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Quality of the models and all that, I was just like, this is this is insane. I played a lot of Shade Spire, and I know we you know we might be having a chat about one of the uh, Shade Spire into the future. But yes. Shade Spire really got hooks in it; was a really fun game. Um, Similar to you know, I played a bit of competitive X Wing and things mm-hmm. like that, so I liked the style, um, short, sharp games uh, in that competitive style. So really enjoy Shade Spy. But the big thing now for me that's uh, got me feeling like a kid again, to be honest, is the re-release of Age of Sigma. Yeah, uh, N- upcoming upcoming Age of Sigma release.
0: Now I, I cannot believe I'm going to say these words, and they're about to leave my lips. Ugh. I have to agree with you on that. Not that I'm agreeing with you, because you and I agree about a lot of things. But I can't wait for the release of Age of Sigmar. Somebody slapped me. Like why? Like okay. Now, I, even if I had said a couple like six weeks ago, if I had listened to me say that, I mean, I'm always a big fan of never say never. But really, um, let me explain. So Games Workshop did t- did a hard turn. Now you said there was old. You were talking about the old head of the company, head of the board of directors, mm-hmm. uh, they replaced that gentleman. And in the process, they brought in someone who I think had a, a far more modern look at the gaming industry as a whole and and where the gaming industry had gone. Companies like Fantasy Flight Games had surpassed Games Workshop in that they, X-Wing was the largest tabletop war game there was um, and, that, and stayed there for years. And Games Workshop wasn't giving regular faqs they weren't they were notoriously anti-communication with their fans um they were not you know you would get no idea what was coming and it was just sure their models were wonderful sure they had some of the best paints but there was they treated their fans like garbage um and i think one of the biggest things that got me looking um, like you were saying, um, A, they went back to an older style of White Dwarf. But like one of the big cues for me was when I walked by a, the local friendly game store and I walked in to buy, I think it was buying paint and maybe terrain or something. But there on the shelf was an entire Gene Steeler cult army. <laughs> now, <Yeah. laughs> I was, I was, a, you know, that was one of my favorite armies from the 80s. And I was like, yep. oh my God, they released Gene Steeler cult. Yep. The the thing that everyone asked for and they said they weren't going to ever do. Wait, what? Um, and, you know, you do a little bit of investigating and all of a sudden the studio was going back and they were, you know, redoing the classics. The things that people have been asking for for years. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about the death of Warhammer, like the death of Warhammer fantasy and not everyone, but a lot of my friends do. And it was a terrible time. We lost lots of friends. Um, just to watch a giant, prosperous community sort of vaporize overnight. Um, and everyone went a different way. Um, and it was very sad. But, I'm sorry, Mark, you were saying something and I... No, no, no. No, okay. Uh, and... But to have the the company all of a sudden open, uh, open up a regular, you know, a, a variety of community engagement websites to create, um, you know, a Facebook feed that was regularly updated with rumors and that people could actually interact with. They could post a comment, and then Games Workshop would reply. There's a community team that literally interacts with the fans. Um, they started a, a series of videos on how to paint, and then that grew into something even bigger with Warhammer TV. Mm. Mark, can you imagine the company we worked for having Warhammer TV?
1: Oh, cr- Christ, no! <laughs> um, and I think that's—it's a really there. Some of the other things that we were talking about, what turned around. I'm talking about white dwarves and models, but the interaction with the community has certainly been one. So the mm. the relaunch of those social media channels, the Warhammer TV um, channel, like it's 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 really great like it and i agree with you when we were working for it that would have just not been oh it's so alien a thought when i was a store manager to think that the company would have had those mechanisms Mm -hmm. um in the background but the other thing um and you hit the nail on the head with the gene stealer cult um comment because that was very similar for me as well like we didn't quite get limousines, but those, those right, well, the, the mining trucks were really cool, like yeah. they were really, really cool. Um, but even, even so far as like in Necromunda, they've released a squat model,
0: yeah, right, you know,
1: and, yeah. And, and you know, sisters, are, you know, 40k, but you know, basically, they come in and said, You wanted, you always wanted plastic sisters, well, they're coming, you know, so yeah. they're really, um. Paying tribute to, I think, some of their long-standing fans because newer gamers they'd be like, "What's the squat?" Like you know, <laughs> I just like if kids who are in there now, they'd be like, "What's the squat?" <laughs> like they wouldn't even know. But for the likes of you and I and some of a lot of the older gamers, it's just like. Hell yeah, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, Andy Chambers was famous for saying, um, what you know, people ask, Oh, you know, you know, what's a squat or when squats coming back? And he's like, Squats are what you get after you've been out on the, the piss all <laughs> night and you've been eating some curry. Um and you would be like, Okay, that that doesn't help me. I I want space dwarves. And he would be like, No, no, not talking about that.
1: Uh, well, the other thing, the other thing as well, which really surprised me, I think, is a good step is their Age of Sigma podcast that they're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's another thing I would have never. It's they're engaging in a modern way, and it's brilliant. Is basically, I think the the point in that.
0: Yeah, agreed. And one of the things that I mean, in a bolt in a bolt action world, one of the things that I I actually really. I love second edition of Bolt Action. I think I've said that a million times. I know some podcasts aren't so great on it, uh, and there's a lot of people who you know, dropped off after first into second because they didn't agree with some of the changes uh, for a variety of reasons. I really like second edition. I really like Conflict 47. I really like what those games do. But at their core, there is one thing that always niggles in the back of my mind. And again, I love Bolt Action as a game system. I play it all the time. It is one of my favorites, if not my favorite game. But it is still, because the army books were never redone with second edition, we're still using first edition point values. And that yep. means that certain weapons, yes, the second edition readjusted what those weapons did um, and what some of those special rules did. And that uh, you know, that really balanced the game. It made it way less swingy and Open to abuse, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, now, Games Workshop has been notorious for this thing called Codex Creep. Uh, in fact, <laughs> the, the, the name little is, is based on Warhammer 40,000 Codexes and how each time a new one comes out, it's traditionally better than the books before it. And so it encourages a cycle of sale and buying from fans um, that, you know, drives the company forward thank god they're not doing that anymore uh, at mm. least not as much um one of the neat things and just this is the level of community like it's one thing to open a page and to have to hire people to talk with people and to you know film some videos even start recording a an age of sigmar podcast like i get all of that and that's great and that's amazing but what interesting interests me more as a gamer uh, and more as a an ex-fan that's looking back and thinking, potentially, I might take a look at this, is the fact that they are also taking on feedback from established community members, podcasters, tournament organizers, um, yeah. prominent members of the community, and people who are known and trusted as people who play the games in a manner um, that either seeks to break the game, or... Or seeks to not break the game um, in a way that, you know, they're looking for the hard truth. They're looking for a way to balance the game. So people want to play it. And then they're using that information to create the general's handbooks. Now, the general yeah. handbooks are, are now uh, annual documents. And in them, every year, the point values for every unit in Warhammer 40,000 and Warhammer Fantasy... Sorry, not fantasy. Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Fantasy, are updated of every model in the game. Every year, updated. And if something's rules-wise is broke, it's fixed. And if something's broken so badly that it needs immediately to be FAQ'd, they FAQ it uh, right away. And I'm not talking about waiting a month or two. They fix it within weeks. Yeah,
1: because they do the, the little FAQ, big FAQ thing that certain gates in the year, they do a big FAQ for the whole game. Right. But I think it's like a month or six weeks after the release of an army book, battle tome or codex, mm-hmm. there's a mini FAQ. So it's incredible. It's, that, it is, yeah.
0: It's such, It's they have gone from being the farthest from the fans mm. being so remo- or so removed in the ivory tower to throwing open the gates, getting rid of all of the tapestries, and walking out into the marketplace and saying, hit me. Hit me with your best shot. Let's see what you got. Um, give, me, give me your good. Give me your bad. Give me all of what you think. And I, I can't imagine combing through that amount of feedback. And yep. yet they seem to, um, from people who are playing these games, be making a lot of the right steps. Um, I can't imagine trying to make those decisions, and I'm glad I'm not that guy. Um, mm. You know, it's easy for us to be armchair commentators, but can you imagine how hard that job is to go in oh, yeah. and just to hear all that feedback now? If you see, like, an event, if you see some of the big, big 100, 200-some-odd player events, and there's a couple of them, and the same armies appear in different parts of the world in these massive events, and they're always at the top tables, well, yes, there's probably something there that needs some addressing. Um, but they're addressing it, and yeah. that's that's just really encouraging um, for the industry as a whole. And I think FFG has responded back um, in the way that they've done the rules for Star Wars Legion in the basic box, as we talked about before, they give you some very basic um, get you started rules. But if you want the full rules, you have to download them from the website. They're free, but you have to download them. But by doing that, they can update those rules anytime. And also
1: they've got that living FAQ now as well. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So, um, Fantasy yeah.
1: Flight, which is really good,
0: and I think this competition between Games Workshop and Fantasy Flight—look, man—it's just going to be great for all of us. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not a bad thing, that's for sure.
0: Amen. Uh, now, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at some of the other games on my shelf and some of the other game companies that I know and love, and I'm thinking, you know, I would love some of this interaction
1: uh, mm.
0: with with the games, some of the other games I'm playing. But damn, like for Games Workshop. The company that could not, would not ever do that. To see them, there, see where they are now, man, that that's that's a, that's promising for all of us. Um, they were they were on death's door. Maybe you know, maybe not end of the world, gloom and doom, as some people were saying. But man, it was bad. It was bad for a long time, and I, I'm I'm talking from talking with people behind the scenes. It was grim. Uh, but, Mark, tell us what news has come out recently.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, it seems to have been announced that uh, GW are doing a sort of a profit share with their staff. Their happy workforce is a good workforce. And, you know, um, I think it's unfortunately never happened for us, you it's know, Brad, sad. it would be nice if we, if we got some extra, extra bank, but, uh, mm-hmm. look, I just, it's just such a, a good move. And the interesting thing is that the, now is just a customer. It may, it feels a bit more now like it was when I was an employee, like mm-hmm. the the feeling I'm getting from the company is is really really good, and touching on what you were saying about engaging with people from the community in the general's handbook, yeah, I mean they, they've just got a, an established network of playtesters that, are, like you say, um, respected and known people within the community. It's mm-hmm. it's not doesn't seem to be done in a closed circuit, and it's just it's very very exciting and very promising uh, for the future. I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's it's yeah, also it, nice that they, you know, even though they and they did have play testers before and they were play testing, although some people always questioned if they were. Yeah. Um it was like the old days, they'd pull the trigger, they'd fire the torpedo, and then they'd go on to the next thing, and they wouldn't bother to see if it hit. Uh yeah. there was no, uh, oops. We may have, you know. Mess that particular little thing up, or we may have missed this little interaction that actually completely breaks the book, or in some cases, <clears throat> the game. Um, but the fact that they're, as we talked about before, going back in there, they're going back and they're editing um, and FAQing and fixing on the fly. Um, it's un- look, it's unrealistic to think that any given the number of people who play these games and given our nature as gamers to look for efficiencies. And right. combinations and, you know, just, just ways to get an advantage on the tabletop. Like all good tabletop wargamers, it's kind of what we do. Even though, you know, we may, you know, you're not, you're not trying to curb stomp your opponent. You're still looking for, now what's a good combination here? What, what can I put together that's going to do reasonably well on the tabletop? And the fact that they're fixing things to make sure that everything is usable um, or is at least more usable is really pleasing. And the fact that they've made something like, I don't even know what their profits were, but they're sharing something, the profit sharing that you were talking about five seconds ago, was like, it's like five million pounds that they're sharing yeah. with everybody. That that means down to like the blister sisters who are packing the blisters. I mm. don't even know if they do blisters anymore. I think they're all clamshells now, but you you yeah. get what I mean.
1: Yeah, everyone's
0: yeah, yeah. like the bartender at Bugman's is probably making some cash on that. It's really pleasing um, to see because uh, Games Workshop also was famous for not always sharing their funds with their employees. Um, yeah. uh, I have some stories about that, uh, but uh, as as we both were employees, um, money was not why you worked for Games Workshop. Um, <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> no, certainly no, not. Never.
0: No, but it's really nice to see them really going out of their way. Um yep. in in so many different ways. And it's just it's such a revolution and such a change. Um and I'm just glad I'm glad they came good. Now, does that mean I'm going to play all their games? No. I I I don't think I can afford to play their games um all the time like I used to. Uh I just I god, I don't know how I did it for so long. But especially in Australia, where everything's marked up. Uh, yeah. That said, some of the games that they've come out with, you and I have jumped in on. Now, um, Shade Spire. Let's go back to that. Now, that's a game that they came out with. Uh, it's it it's a card building, dice, um, miniature, small skirmishy type of game. know yep. something like twenty five dollars retail in the states. Yes, and that gets you two full. Gangs, warbands, whatever you want to call it, the dice, all the cards you need for those and extra games so you can customize your own decks. There is no weird, um, you know, custom, was it uh, customizable random card? I can't think of the term that Magic has of you need to buy 65 packs to get the right oh, rare. like Rage
1: or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no,
0: you, it, it's, it's a fixed set of cards in the box. And yep. those, all of those cards work, and it depends on how you want your strategy to work. It's just a really cleverly put-together game. Um, yep. It's cheap, it's accessible, it's easy to pick up, it's fast, and it's clean, which is why we're definitely going to do an episode about it. But Games Workshop made that game. Yeah, it's a
1: bit of a surprise, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, that was wonderful. Necromunda, they brought it back. Um, now, they brought back Necro about 15 years ago. And it did all right. They came out with some new models. Uh, It was an update of the living rule book that had been online. But it it just didn't didn't hit like it did this most recent time. Uh, And yeah, there's some people who are saying, oh, but you don't get all the gang's rules in the box. But if you're looking at the gang rules that you do get, uh, especially if you start looking at the gang war expansions, you get more in the game now than yep. you ever got before, and the models, dear God, they are so good. It is—it's astonishing. Uh, between Shade Spire and Necromunda, they are some of the best plastic models I've ever put together. Um,
1: those those Vansar are just incredible,
0: man. Just they're so good. Mm. So you have been messing around. Um, can you? So one of the things about Shadespire, I should I should say, sorry, Mark, I'm still I'm still talking too much. Um, is that the models are push fit? That you take them and you push them together. Now traditionally, yes. you and I know push fit from old games, workshop games, slash other games. That they're <laughs> they're not great. Um, tell us a little bit about the the push fit that we see in Shadespire.
1: They're they're really really well put together. They push together. You don't even need to glue them. So um I think you and I had a game that uh, you would literally just push them together, and they they could do you forever if you don't want to paint. So they've done um, coloured plastic as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they've made it very accessible for someone who may not want to paint or mm-hmm. well that's not their jams. They can just push them together. Uh, they match the sort of colour, and they can whack them on the table. But even with the push fit, sometimes you know there's a, a, a tendency for push fits to push back, so you get gaps. So mm-hmm. you inevitably have to glue them. I some mine, I didn't. Some parts I did. That's because it's the hobbyist in me. Um, but certainly, I didn't feel like I needed to glue them for, to, for them to keep together. Where push fit bits go, it's like sort of hidden sometimes as well behind behind layers and things it it's really 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 well done so couldn't can't say enough good stuff about the um quality of those models that's for sure
0: now if we're seeing that level and and what's what's really nice is as you're saying exactly they fit together beautifully like the precision of the modeling and the manufacturer is, is phenomenal mm. and the way that the mold lines go is actually pretty damn good too sure there's a couple in some places you have to shave but generally, they're along creases and seams um, that make it really easy to put together um, yep. and then easy to get on the table to, or to paint to get on the table if, if that's the way you want to go. But that level of technology um, was used to create models that were more dynamic than most regular assembly kits they are yep. so dynamic. They have arms going in every direction, legs going in every direction. You look at these models and they're not in that I'm doing the Saturday Night Fever dance pose or um, what was the name of the Chaos Warrior holding the two axes to his side that's famous that they reissued as a joke? Um, Sluggo oh. or Slammo or something?
1: Yeah, 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 Slammo.
0: Slammo, and it's, it's like... You could literally lay him on his back and then close a book <laughs> and he probably wouldn't like raise any pages because he's flat, right? Yep. Um, you could set your drink down on him and he, it wouldn't tip over. Uh, these models are 3D. They're dynamic. Oh. Yep. Uh, you really get a feeling of motion from them. And that's just from their basic Shadespire set. Mark, tell us about why that technology is so exciting for the new Age of Sigmar game.
1: Well, because it... it They'll only, they'll only improve from, and if anyone's seen some of the previews, all those models in the um, Age of Sigma box, they're all push fit. And listening, I've been listening to the uh Stockcast Podcast, and they've actually had one of the designers on. And mm-hmm. the information they were saying about making it very, very easy to put those together, cleverly that height and seams and, and bits and pieces, mm-hmm. They, um, I can't wait to put them together. I, I'm so... Looking forward to putting those models together uh, as quick as I can because that's going to be brilliant as push fits. And look, I, I got some of the, um, I had to dabble with some of the dark and green ones for 40K. Mm-hmm. So the, and the plague um, marines, and they were great as well. It's just, everyone's, you know, there's always that in the back of your mind and go, well, oh, push fits, you know, I can't customize mm-hmm. some things. But I think the variety and the dynamic, Posing that they're offering, I think it's less of an issue now.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, uh, seeing all those eight, all those ones in the new uh, Soul Wars box set, which is the new Age of Sigma box set, mm-hmm. I'm not worried by the fact that they're um, push fit molded. It, it does not worry me one bit because they all look just unreal. Exactly. Yeah.
0: My local friendly game store, uh, Good Games, down the street, um, where I held uh, my most recent bolt action event and where I'm about to hold another one, love those guys, um, they got their copy of Soul Wars uh, this week. And I had a chance to take a look at some of the models. And it is, and I did read this somewhere, and I can't think of where I read it to quote it, but. Uh, It was said that Games Workshop used the same design philosophy and the same technology that they used um, sort of for Shadespire. It was almost as though Shadespire was the testing ground for this technology. Uh, And then they used that for the new Age of Sigmar box set. So more so than Dark Imperium, which was Excellent. The models in that were sensational, but to be honest, the plague was it the the plague zombies. I can't think of their.
1: Oh yeah, the plague walkers.
0: Yeah, they yeah. they were fairly static. Um, yeah, yeah. The the models that they have created for this new Age of Sigmar box are the same level of dynamic motion. Um, just there's a there's, it's just sensational to see, and it's the same quality of push fit that we have seen supposedly in Shadespire. So yep. I cannot wait to put some of these models together. And that makes it sound like I'm buying some. Oh God. Um, so I've listened to a few Age of Sigmar podcasts and I've read some things and I've started flipping through the books and really getting my teeth into the game a little bit. Um, I definitely am not, I'm glad I walked away. I'm glad I did not stick around. I do not feel a pang of regret for one second that I left after Warhammer Fantasy died. Um, uh, Yeah, because I tried playing the game. I tried it with some of the Dwellers Below's guys. We, we, We got our armies out. We played, we played, we played. And we tried. Oh God, did we try. And we just couldn't get Age of Sigmar to work. And we put it away. But thankfully, there have been other people who have been doing, you know, the good Lord's work and doing, you know, do their due due diligence. Um, And, you know, some people joked that they were, you know, God, I can't, polishing a turd, like trying to make (laughs) something out of something that wasn't. Um, But they didn't. There was something there. And they did make something. Um, And with the General's Compendium, um, we got missions, missions that um, that you, a variety of missions that required you to build your army in a variety, you know, in to uh, to accomplish a variety of objectives, just like we have for bolt action, where we have, you know, objective grab missions and kill point missions. Well, for these missions, there was even more differentiation beyond that. So it really forced you to take sort of either generalized lists that had a little bit of everything or to take a specialist list to know that you are stronger in one way but weaker in another but you have to compensate for it. But they also gave you the point values that the game desperately needed. I can't imagine. Why did they come up with this game with no points?
1: Well, I, I think that's a really interesting point for us to quickly cover on and I think that's why the death of Warhammer and the 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 rage quit from a lot of people we they had developed the game and then trained their hobbyists to a way of putting an army together. To yeah. take that away and just say do whatever you want, people were like, "Well, uh, yeah. it just didn't compute. It certainly didn't compute for for me." And I'm like, "It makes no sense." Yeah, the models are great, cool. The actual the background, I was I wasn't so upset about them blowing up the old world because what they'd sort of try to put like, okay, it's interesting. It's a bit different. Mm-hmm. Cool. I could see where they might go with this, but, uh, the models are cool. Uh, oh, you know, there was the whole thing about, you know, Sigmarines and that, and you know, they looked like um, space Marines in a fantasy setting, but I didn't, I didn't mind it to be honest. Like I think they looked cool, mm-hmm. but, um, this, this concept that just do whatever you want. Yeah, okay. No.
0: Yeah, no. Like,
1: oh. yeah. It's like, okay, cool. But, uh, so I put like twelve dragons on the table, and my opponent has their army. And how does that work? Oh, we can do whatever you want. It just—it was just such a—it was too much. And, and there was—and you know what? It's not even like they had. I don't think in that community they had any trust. For people to go, you know what? I'm just going to persevere because it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new world. There was no trust there. Yeah. I think either, to to persevere. Um, it was weird. It was really weird. Um, so I'm glad even like the no base measuring measure from wherever you want. Okay. That makes it really tough to make a, it felt like it was so dumbed down that it was basically I'm pushing my Lego blocks around with my mate. You know what I mean? Like it was, (laughs) it was weird. So I'm so they should have released the general's handbook when they released age of Sigma. And I think, I think everyone's experience and I think the company's experience would have been, massively different than that one document and you can't and you know knowing you can't tell me they didn't have that in mind and that 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 process of what they were going to do with the general's handbook wasn't thought through yeah. so it was it was a bit of uh, i think a bit disrespectful for their current fan base just to say well here's the new thing we know you know we know you're going to play it so but we don't have to give you any effort i think it was a yeah. bit crap
0: it was four pages of rules and yeah. some of those rules you just looked at and went I'm sorry. What? I can shoot in and out of combat. Turns repeat themselves. What? Yeah. How does this well, work? Well, like, I just
1: thought it was yeah. funny when they did the first FAQ. Their FAQ was seven pages long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and their rule, their main rules was four pages, and it supported by an FAQ and a rider document that was seven pages long. So.
0: Yeah, yeah I
1: found that quite amusing.
0: Yeah, that was uh, not that. Uh, that whole situation was not ideal. Uh, no. But, you know, some of the guys on, uh, you know, some of the podcasts that I listen to traditionally and I've started listening to again, um, I think the, some of the Healing Hammer guys. Um, oh,
1: so so glad they're back. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, they I think they were always around. Garage Hammer. Uh, I don't know if they were part of the playtest group. Um, I don't think so. I know,
1: I know the Healing Hammer guys are.
0: Yeah, the Healing Hammer guys are. Face Hammer guys. Cool. Like those guys. Um just uh, the bad dice guys, I believe, one or mm. at least one of them is doing something. Um yeah. look, I I'm just glad that uh, okay, let me let me back it up before I finish that statement. So it it's I I suffered from a lot of resentment and a lot of sadness to see I wasn't ready for the game to die. I don't <laughs> think I don't think there's been a game ...that I've played where all of a sudden it went so wrong so fast that I just went, but but I still want to play this game. Why can't I play this? Um, it, it, it was as though it was taken from us. And some people still play the old game um, and play the new version of it. And they've updated it called The Ninth Age. And those guys have done an unbelievable job. They've built a. They basically took Warhammer Eighth Edition and they rewrote it so they wouldn't violate copyright rules, um, and put out army lists for every single army in the game, um, and you know tried to create a fair, fun way of playing the Warhammer Fantasy Rank and Flank game um, using all the FAQs and all the things that people wanted before. And that's in an, that's a Herculean task, but in my mind. I don't know if that's. I mean, they've proven me wrong. They're, I mean, they're still going. I I would have thought that people would have quit by now, um, mm. but folks are still playing that. Um, and I just I I was I was sad. I I had armies. I, I mean, I there were things I wanted to do. I've always wanted to do another Skaven army. Um, I have a couple of half-finished demon armies and things that I really wanted to finish. Um, I've been working on an orc and goblin army where I had sculpted um, fur on literally over 100 models, including 24 full-size trolls that I sculpted from nothing. Um, and that army never got played in Warhammer Fantasy. Maybe once. Maybe once I played it. Um, it I was waiting to finish it. And it was going to be my, this is the pinnacle of my hobby effort and i i worked on it literally for over a year and before i could finish it the game died and it killed me that i still have that in a case and i put all that time in and it just never saw the light of day Mm. and um listening to some of these podcasts and listening the way people are talking and doing some reading it was like that people talk about. Oh yeah, it was great on the weekend. It was great on the weekend. I went down to a- an event and I played some Warhammer. And I was like, "Wait, you played what?" But it is Warhammer. It is Warhammer: Age of Sigmar. And yes, it's a different game. Yes, it's a different mechanic. Yes, it's even a different universe. But all of a sudden, I I got to looking around and going, "Oh wait, gutter runners exist. Uh, Plague monks exist." Techless is standing over there, still being an arrogant elf. Uh, You know, uh, wait, Nagash is still around? Wait, how does this work? Archeon, all of my old Chaos Marine, or sorry, not Chaos Marine, Chaos (laughs) Marauder models. Wait, I can use those? And it was all of these figure cases full of painted and half-painted armies. All of a sudden, they all got life again. Um, And God, man, that is such a good feeling. But it's a, the other, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say the other interesting thing when you're talking about all those old armies in the new um, AOS two, uh, they they offer a guide for because all the measuring is now incorporated from a base. They sanity's prevailed, um, but actually, what they've said is you can base them on it. Here's a guide to what we would suggest, and if tournament organizers want to do it, but all those old square-based armies you have got, you could just run them. There's no they're there's no need for you to rebase in AOS 2. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the, in the Stormcast um, podcast, um, one of the the developers was saying, yeah, they'll offer a guide to basing. However, there's no, you can base them how you like.
0: Mark, that's madness. I missed that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So 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 that orc that orc arm you got, you'll be able to just put it on the table, no problems. And look, you know, end of the day, if you're playing, you and I are playing, who cares? Base to no, exactly. base to base. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Whether it's round, square, or oblong, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But um that's part of the stuff that they're doing. So I think that will war- I think that's very clever because you may very well get the older players go, you know what, I'm gonna give it a go. I don't have to do anything besides put my models on the table. Yeah. Um and, and do it. So I think that's a very, very cool aspect of what they're doing with the the new book
0: absolutely and there was that talk when the game first came out of okay they're going to give you these legacy lists that you can yes. use to play your old stuff um but eventually they're going to phase out and you're going to have to use the new stuff um well we're in second edition of the game now it's been around for five four or five years and people are still using the old stuff just saying, um, still I there. Think
1: I think they've addressed that, that. What they're deeming that legends, and so they're going to tackle it. Uh, now, where did I hear this? I could be making this up, but uh, I did hear somewhere that they're talking about those older lists. So, like the old Tomb Kings list, for example, yeah. becomes a legacy a Legends list, and it will be up to tournament organisers to to say whether they will or they won't allow Legends lists because there'll be less work done on balancing those models. Yeah. So they'll, they'll do it and then it'll be up to tournament organizers. But, um, but yeah, they, I think they're going to call them legends. So there'll be a list of legend models, mm-hmm. um, tomb Kings, chaos dwarves, things like that. Um, and some of the old characters and it'll be up to individuals to determine whether they use them or not, which is cool as well. Like all your old stuff is usable. If you've got the old, um, Beth, Beth uh, Gelt or whatever his name was. So yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But what I think, I guess it feels a little bit like going home. Um, That's exactly, exactly the thing I've said to some,
1: of my some of my other friends who are mm. XGW people. It feels like going home. It's, yeah, it's very, very good.
0: Familiar faces, um, through, you know, through thick and thin through, you know, my life, um, growing up, uh, and, you know, sort of coming into manhood in gaming world or, you know, that, that comes off as awfully cyst and, you know, man awful, but, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, in me becoming me who I am, um, Games Workshop's been there every step of the way. And though I was a 40K player, I always read the fantasy. I loved the fantasy world, and I loved the fantasy fluff. And it it killed me that it it disappeared, that the world was gone. But it wasn't gone. They've very carefully rebuilt it into an infinite universe. So, yes, the world itself is gone, but it's been Broken into a million different little pieces, but you can still play on your fantasy mat because that might be, you know, part of this kingdom over here. Now, some of these like weird kingdoms, I I don't quite have my head around that part of the game yet. Uh, I'm just still excited that some of the old stuff is still around. But I guess what has me most excited, uh, more than anything else, is that my old crew, um, the old Hampton crew, uh, some of them, Uh, notably the guys who did did the Dwellers Below podcast, um, of which I was, I I guess I was there at the beginning and then I kind of faded away um, to do bolt action and then when the game died, clearly (laughs) that ended. Um, All those guys are looking at the game really seriously. And it's not that we're looking for to recreate Warhammer Fantasy 8th edition. We just, I mean, clearly that won't happen. What we're looking for is the camaraderie. Going back to getting together with your mates, playing some games, having a good time, you know, drinking some beers, going to karaoke, getting loose, getting back, sleeping for a couple of hours, going back to game two. uh, Sorry, day two of an event and, you know, fighting through Um, and then doing your best in the process. And those were amazing days. Now, I could be too old for that now, but I'm you better believe I'm going to reach out for the glory days and I'm going to try again. Um, It's just, it's too good to miss. Uh, What are your feelings about this, Mark? I know that you and I are very similarly engaged with this thought.
1: Yeah, uh, look, 100%, absolutely. Like, that's... As much as looking forward to playing a game that has my interest in some of the mechanics and, and you know, they in this new rulebook, apparently they're filling out the world a lot more, like doing maps of the different realms and that. But I cannot wait to go to events and, and exa- all that stuff that you're exactly saying, going back to sort of, like you say, going back home and some of the craziness of, of the younger days and being able to bust it out every now and again is is going to be great. It's going to be really, really Agreed, and, and even as we're talking at Age of Sigma, like this is not something I've done in years. But I've already lined up two uh, for people who may know the old Judson from the old Bolt Action Radio. Mm-hmm. I've got two FTXs lined up already. Beautiful. Um, so you know, the day of release, I'm hanging out with our old friend Matt Reichardt who owns the Hall of Heroes, who you've had on about Bolt Action. Oh yeah, so, well into it. And so day of release, I'm going up to his place up up in the country and. Where over the weekend we're just putting hobby stuff together and then Oh geez. Literally a week later, I'm going away with some of the old GW crew guys that I used to work with and we're going away for a whole weekend and we're doing an Age of Sigma two tournament between about six of us. Awesome. So, you know, I'm well and truly going balls deep into uh uh into playing Age of Sigma. So events that start rolling in, I am definitely going to be going to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I am not quite to that level, um, mainly because uh, Operation Bear is coming and I need to yes. keep preparing for it. Uh, that said, I took a look through all my existing half-finished slash finished armies, and I'm taking this opportunity to put the finishing touches on something that I started years ago. And one of my favorite fantasy armies was uh, Demons. Um, I don't know why, just always I always like the aesthetic. And so I had most of a corn demon army uh, painted and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time converting a lot of the models and was thinking, you know, what would be good? What would be a nice, easy army to to figure out. I don't know if it is for Age of Sigmar, but corn oh, yeah, they, always. They, they're very good. <laughs> it Well, it seemed really straightforward. Like, yeah, run, charge, kill something. Blood for the blood god. Go for it. Uh, yep. And I had all I had most of the models sitting in a box that weren't painted, ready to go. And I just went, you know what? I'm gonna assemble this. So I've been building blood crushers this week and I'm up to six fully built and three more that I'm working on. So I'm hoping that by the end of the weekend, um, given you know what's been going on and what I have planned that I have ten fully uh, ready to go primed blood crushers, which are juggernauts with blood letters writing on the back, uh, built and ready, and I can just start painting them in the next week. Uh, And so why am I doing this? Well, I'm hoping to get some games over the school holidays, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, and that will really round out my points. Nothing like uh, 10 hyper-expensive models to really (laughs) fill out those points in your army list, kids. Um, And look, I don't care about winning. I care about learning the game um and i'm like what's a nice giant point sink so i can get my toys on the table boom um so i'm doing that but there's an age of sigmar event coming up in august at good games and i signed up it's a two day it'll be the first two day event i play in and i can't tell you how long um and so i'm i'm looking forward to just hanging out and a bunch of the old members of the community are talking about coming out to play i'm going Oh, God, man. How good is that going to be? Just to stand there, you know? talk some rubbish, uh, you know, push some war dollies around and just get silly. Um,
1: oh, yeah. I, I want to start casting those big purple sun models. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. The <laughs> new. So, magic, for those who haven't been paying attention to Age of Sigmar, uh, one of the boxes that's coming out on release is called Malign Portent. No, that's a yes. different thing. Yeah, is Malign Portent. And it's a magic box. And um, so you get this expansion for magic. Uh, but what makes it cool is every spell has a has an actual Malign m-
1: sorcery. Malign sorcery,
0: thank you. Um, the other one was the thing they did before. I'm still getting my yep. terminology mixed up. Yep. Too many things to learn at once. Um yeah. But there there's like an I there's a, a representation on the tabletop of what each spell is. And so purple sun has a purple sun model on the tabletop. Yep. Um how good is
1: Predatory that? Predatory spells. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. I was I was talking to Matt Ryker mm-hmm. tonight actually uh before we started casting um and he was putting he got a sample for his store mm-hmm. and he was going this is the best thing ever. He goes the models are just incredible and I'm pretty sure he said they're push fit as well.
0: Yeah, they are. I so confirmed have- that today.
1: Oh, yeah, and he he just said they were just unreal. The Purple Sun and the Angry Pac-Man are just just the yeah. best.
0: If for anyone who ever saw a long, long, long time ago in a jet-lag-fueled jet, a jet lag fueled haze of um, binge drinking while I was traveling through the United States and a very short period of time, I came up with this insane idea of sculpting a zinch Demon army from scratch. Um, But doing and it's really simple and it's stupid, Um, but I sculpted an entire army of floating eyeballs, uh, wagging tongues, uh, giant Pac-Man heads, which is why I get to it now. Uh, But my two demon princes from that army, there's Pinky and Blinky, Um, Pinky's pink and Blinky's blue, just like Pac-Man, and they are massive Pac-Man heads. Uh, with teeth and one's pink and one's blue, go figure. But I looked at that spell and went, oh my God, pinky and blinky right <laughs> again. And uh, just this more, uh, so last night I went digging to find some more Blood Crusher parts um, out of a box and I pulled out some half-finished models for that Zinch Demon uh, army that I was working on when Fantasy died. I was like, "All right, cool. Um, I'll make some more models for this, uh, and I'll round it out." Uh, and I found uh, a, a herald on a it was I think it was a flaming herald of Zinch on some sort of fl- a flying chariot. But mm-hmm. my version of it is like a medium-sized Pac-Man head with no mouth that is a giant eyeball, but it's got arms coming out of the side, big muscular arms that are pulling a chain. That is, you know, through two giant flying studded tongues. That <laughs> it's pull, it's getting pulled around the battlefield by those, and it's got this orifice sticking out of its back that is shooting jets of fire out of it. And I and I look at this and think to myself, I don't do drugs. Where did this come from? Uh, you know, I I said to my wife, I used to be creative, and my wife looked at me and literally said. I don't know what that is like that. I get most of your stuff. I don't know. What is that? And I went, it's amazing. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, And she went, yeah, that may be beyond creative. And I went, yep, but it's mine. Uh, Yep. And just the fact that I can pull that out again and put it on a tabletop. is exciting. It's fun. Uh, And that's what the name of the game is. uh, I suppose. I, I know that some people listening to this podcast tonight will think, Games Workshop, really, Brad? I thought you were beyond that. That's for kids. They, they're they money-grubbing, awful people. Uh, and yes, some of them are. And Mark and I know that because we worked with them. Uh, some of them aren't. Some of them are wonderful people. And I've really enjoyed going back in the shop and talking with the local manager, Ryan. What a great dude. Haven't talked to him in years other than occasionally going to get paints. Man, that beard's bigger than he is now. But he's it's amazing to just sit down and talk shop. Nice guy. Sat down, held my hand, to talked to me through the differences between Age of Sigmar one and two. Wonderful guy. But um, you know, it it's I'm excited about something um, in a way that I haven't been for a little while. Is this mean that this podcast is going to become an Age of Sigmar podcast? Probably not. Who knows? Uh, I think The Dwellers Below might do some episodes, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being a part of that. Uh, Am I going to play some Age of Sigmar, especially since I'm painting up and getting ready for a big two-day tournament in August? You better believe it. Well, Well, will that change the way I play Wargaming? Maybe. Maybe this will be like me reading that entry for a bolter again. Maybe not um bolt action is i think my primary love is a game but damn this looks like a lot of fun to play and uh, i think that is if it's putting a smile on your dial you got to follow it sometimes um mark how what are your feelings about this
1: uh it, it absolutely put a smile on my dial i um i i must admit uh i was pretty excited for legion mm. um but this has got me the uh, – to it's amped to 11. Like, I haven't been this uh, yeah. giddy for a, mm-hmm. for a war game for a long time. Um, and I think the big thing for me, and you hit the nail on the head for me, might seem a bit, you know, a bit tripe, but it does feel like coming home, mm-hmm. organising these, you know, events, these catch-ups with some of the boys that I used to work with and stuff. To reminisce old times, play some games. I just can't wait. I really yeah. can't wait. And for me, um, I started with one the the white the first white dwarf I bought had a Warhammer battle report. Mm-hmm. So for me, this yes, it's not Warhammer, but the fantasy based uh, war game was what was where I started. Very quickly um, followed by another game called Titan Legion. Which oh would, yeah. Which we'll talk to, I'm sure, in a few, in a little bit. But mm-hmm. for me, this this little window that we got coming up, very much takes me back to my childhood. And now mm-hmm. that I've got a child of my own, it's 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 really nice. It's really That's really right. nice. Yeah.
0: You and I are from similar generations um, mm-hmm. of where we started. Although I think I may have popped pipped you by one iteration of Titan Combat. Because my first Titan game was Adeptus Mechanicus. The oh yeah, so one.
1: I started with Space Marine, which was the second one. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But I think by exactly like 15 minutes, not like I got there yeah, years yeah, in advance. Right. Um, yeah. But it's the fact that they're bringing Adeptus Mechanicus, called that, or maybe Titan Legions, or whatever they're calling it. I that. think it's
1: Adeptus Titanicus is what they call it. God, I hope
0: it. it is. That has me excited as well. Um, not as much as using my existing models and playing Warhammer again and getting together mm. with the old crew, but damn, that looks good. And I'm looking at it going, these models are sexy AF.
1: Well, th- those those sneak peeks they did, the terrain and the models, mm-hmm. are incredible. And um, I just know there's a few um, a few of the guys that I know who are very much into the Horus Heresy gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, they, a lot of them, are just like, no, nah, it's all about Dabbs Titanicus froze now. That's it. You know, yeah. that's what we're focused on. Ben Clark, for example, is already planning an event. He's running in uh, with the uh, Hero Herocon, mm-hmm. which is a Australian Defence Force charity um, uh, game they mm-hmm. do in December. He's he's already said I'm running Dabbs Titanicus, and I reckon I've almost sold out. And the game isn't oh. even out yet.
0: Awesome. awesome.
1: You know, so there will be there will be a crowd of people playing that from mm-hmm. it's coming out. So it's gonna be very 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 expensive two months, right?
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've been
1: saving my war chest for a while now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I'm 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 definitely picking up uh, Age of Sigmar. I'm gonna pick up yes. the games to play, the rules to play, and. I, I definitely don't need another two armies worth of models though they look amazing. Uh I have my army. I know what I'm playing this game for. So I'm yeah. I think I'm just going to pick up the book um yep. and the and the magic box and go from there. But And uh,
1: and General's Handbook is probably the bare minimum. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Sorry that I should have said yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. just to get that out and get it on the table and get some games. Now I did really like the look of Warhammer 40,000 8th edition before it came out. I loved the way it looked. It looked like it was going back. It had all the right feels for me in the right places. And the community, in my mind, kind of, I wasn't down for what, uh, how much of the seventh ed kind of feel stayed with that game as far as like big scary monsters and like no troops. Where the Age of Sigmar community has steered the game more towards it looking like a game of Warhammer, not like two giant tanks and a dude standing behind them pointing. Um yep. that really has me feeling good things. Mm. Whether this game actually delivers on the promise that we are we are so excited about, I'm man, I'm keen. I hope mm. it does. Um I, I want to I want my I want my Warhammer back. But well, um, yeah sorry go ahead. Certainly
1: some of the tidbits of listening to things like the Stormcast Podcast and reading mm-hmm. some of the things, I'm very, I, I'm comfortable thinking that it, it's going to be it's going to be all okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I'm I'm probably much more confident when they you know hearing some of the guys designers talking about specific things in the back of my mind that were always an issue. Like for example, the base stuff. He goes, Yeah, no, it's the way games evolve now. It's not an optional rule in the general's handbook. It's actually part of the core, core rules now that all measuring is done for bases. We listened, and that's actually what we've done. I'm like. amen brother yeah right
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah and for those of you who are not particularly excited um and you think man i really wish i'm I'm, it is a you go i go game. it is a you go and that and that and that does get up my nose but i am i am cautiously optimistic about how this works for those who are looking for something different something more bolt actiony um Rick Priestley has officially come out. He is he is designing a game right now. Right now. He is writing a game. He is playtesting a game with his group. Um, and like people like uh, Paul Sawyer from Warlord Games, who used to be Games Workshop, um, has resurrected his old Beastman army, and he is helping Rick playtest this new game, which is a fantasy game um, that revolves around 50 to 70 models, hopefully, something like that, is sounding a lot like Age of Sigmar, um, where you have some heroes, you have some dudes, there may be some monsters involved. It's, but it uses a lot of the mechanics that we see in bolt action. It uses a lot of the mechanics that you see in uh, Gates of Antares. Um, and he's, God, I am so excited. It, but it's going to be a generic rule set. Um, like a Kings of War almost. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of models c- coming out for this. Warlord might be supporting it with models down the track. But the fact is that there's going to be an, an alternate fantasy set of rules by Rick Priestley um, that use a lot of the mechanics for the games that I love. Yeah, I'm pretty damn excited about that. So in yeah, the meantime
1: I, I too as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm on one hand, I'm very excited about Age of Sigmar. I hope it delivers everything that it promises. On the other hand, if it doesn't, and I've got this new army painted and it's ready to go, damn, I hope they have demons in Rick's game. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. Um if not, I'm playing my corn marauders. Anyway, moving uh yeah. sorry, my uh Chaos Marauders. Well, Mark, I hate to do this to you. It is sort of the end of a rambly episode. Um, Mm. Before I ask you if there's anything you would like to close on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know the show's been a little sporadic of late. Um, For those who don't know, I am a primary school teacher, and this time of year, the end of Term 2, is always the worst. It's report writing season. It's always cold and dark and miserable in uh, the Southern Hemisphere, and it's just hard. And at the at the moment, um, work's been pretty brutal, and uh, I, I just don't have—and I've had some guests that have had to pull out or have had to move episodes, and I haven't been able to chase them down or replace them normally uh, like I would. So it makes—some um, of the, the episodes, I normally do one a week or, you know, try and catch up with two the next week if I miss one. I know we've been a little bit behind. There is a brand new Warlord cast um, that will be dropping either the end of next week or the beginning of the week after um, with all the information about Conflict 47's new book plus a ton of new rumors from Warlord. It's going to be amazing. Most of that is in the can. I just need to record one last segment and that will be out just to pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, And next week, I'm hoping to have another cast dice up and running. But after that, we will be getting into my next two-week vacation, and Term 3, this show will be returning to a regular scheduled program. Uh, I did have a couple of people ask, Brad, uh, Operation Bear, the, the, the event you were talking about on your last podcast, uh, what's the status? I'm at 33 paid players. We are sold out. I, I don't think I can fit another soul in. We have a waiting list of two people presently. Um, I'm hoping that... Somehow I can get everyone in. Uh, If you are interested, please go to the Cast Dice podcast page or find the Operation Bear page through Good Games Melvin uh, and uh, message me and get your name on the wait list. I would love to have you come either to check out the event and see what we're bringing to the table or just, you know, to get you to play. I would like to really go out of my way to thank uh, the Australian distributors of Bolt Action uh, in all Warlord games, plus Games Workshop. Uh, they they are pre-selling Age of Sigmar, I know, and that would be War and Peace Games. I love those guys. They have come to the table so big with the prize support for Operation Bear. It's unbelievable. Um, people are often surprised at the prize support level that will be at Bolt Action events. This is a $20 event. Every single person who's leaving, I'm hoping, will leave with at least $40 worth of prizes, um, plus trophies. So that is largely to do with uh, Ian and John from War and Peace Games. Those guys are the best. If you are ever thinking, man, I really need that thing from Bolt Action, uh, I don't really want to wait a month to get it from overseas or a couple of weeks. Don't. Call War and Peace Games. They'll sort you out. You'll get it in a couple of days. It's that simple. They support the community, they support the games that we love, and um, you know sometimes they need a little love back, and so that's why I like to buy my stuff from them, and I'm probably going to be getting all my Age of Sigmar stuff from them, um, because I'd like to support them uh, and the local friendly game stores. Anyway, off my soapbox. I'd also like to thank Warlord Games, they've sent some awesome new releases and a few other bits and pieces uh, to mix it up um, for the prize pool, it's just awesome. So um, I hope to have more information about that and some more bolt action content in the coming weeks. Now, before we say goodnight, Mark, is there anything you would like to add?
1: No, thank you once again for having me on. I thoroughly enjoy uh, speaking to you, my good friend. Um, but uh,
0: right back at you,
1: I-, I can't wait to throw some dice of uh, Age of Sigma with oh, you. God, not yes. at you, not at you with you. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I- I'm very very excited for uh, for what's happening with Age of Sigmar and um, can't wait to get some of my night haunts on the table. And Amen. You know, hopefully we can catch up again, uh, not too uh, distant future to talk about Shade Shadespire, which is another excellent game. If you're not playing, you should be attempting to play.
0: That's right. And right. it's one of those games you can play like three games in a couple of hours, if not an hour. Yep. And for people who are time poor like us, it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yes. And I would like to end with, so Dwellers Below was my first podcast, and it was a fantasy podcast. And it's where I got the moniker Old Man Morin and where I got the uh, the nickname for uh, throwing dice slash dice bags at my opponent. So when you were saying a minute ago, Mark, about not throwing dice <laughs> at me, you might get pelted at some point if we go back to playing <laughs> proper fantasy. Power stancing and throwing dice. Oh, God, this so many bad memories are flooding back. Yep. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know this show hasn't been for everyone, um, but thank you for uh, listening uh, to our waffle. There was just a lot of things we wanted to talk about tonight and a lot of feelings to to swim through. Uh, but if you would like to give us feedback, as always, please find us on Facebook. Um, that is at the Land O Misfit Toys slash the home of the Cast Dice podcast. Or if you just go to Facebook and you type Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Um, you will find our page. Uh, if you hit like, you will see uh, my hobby progress, what I've been building, what I've been painting, what my weird thoughts are about the game industry, and information about this podcast and the others that I do. Um, the Ghost Army podcast hopefully will return in the not-too-distant future uh, with an episode or two. Uh, but as I said, the Warlord cast is coming quick smart right at you. Uh, Guys, I know, and gals, I should say, um, I know time is of the essence, and I realize just how precious it is at the moment. Um, But I really do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. Um, I know podcasting doesn't cost any money to download, um, but your time is precious, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to us tonight. Um, Thank you. And I guess that leaves us with one last thing to say. No matter what game you play, we hope that your beverages are cold, your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, when you play these games that we love, we hope that you have fun. Good night.